nothing like a little ACDC to get us started on Friday. I so agree. You're not calling me a problem child, are you? Uh, never, uh, never, uh, never. Only because every time I've talked to you this week, what, no matter where in the country I've been, you've had technical issues. So <laughs> I've just nicknamed you problem child. And that's not even counting the rest of your problems. We don't have time to count all those. Right. That's just the technical difficulties you've had. Oh, my gosh. Uh, hi. Hi. Jesse Sims Jessie is Sims. here. Jesse we have, <laughs> we've got some kick butt people here today. <laughs> yes. We always do, but we really do today. Happy Friday, Friday, June 16th. Um, I just got, you know, I just got in the mail. What? A big box. Oh my God. Can we have an, an unboxing, a live unboxing ceremony? We don't have time. We have a we have important guests today we have to get to, but you know who it's from? Who? Me? Did I send you something? <laughs> <laughs> what who is it from? Lululemon. Oh my gosh. What did you order? Stuff. And I see Mandy on here earlier. So uh yep, my Lululemon box just came. Nice. Yeah, I got myself a little Father's Day present. Oh, good for you. And happy yeah. early Father's Day to all the dads. Yes, exactly. Nice so that it wasn't, I mean, it was meant to be. I mean, I when I saw Mandy, I remembered that the box game. But I, just, <laughs> I just landed from Indianapolis, Indiana a few hours ago. So uh, nice to be home. Um, welcome, everyone. Yes, it was a big box of stuff. Yes, Jessica. <laughs> I mean, it, we would do the unboxing. Maybe we could do like an after hours unboxing. Not not after hours, but I mean after the show. Yeah. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, ABCs. Does anyone know what ABCs are? Not ABCs are the Lululemon men's pants. Hmm. Jess, for $50 cash, what does ABC stand for? All, <laughs> I have no idea. Wait, okay, this is for $50. All, no, why am I on all? I have no idea, somebody help me. <laughs> <laughs> Done, too late. Okay, um, welcome. Everyone, You're not going to tell us? Somebody will tell us in the chat. Someone will say, always be closing. That's what I always was be closing. Drum roll. Anti. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> I love how everyone's guessing. Um, yes, James knows. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it, James. I'm just waiting for someone to uh, airway breathing circulation. Wow. Uh, <laughs> adult adult boys, boys clothing. I mean, Mandy. Mandy's from Lululemon. She's the one that should actually announce what it means or what ABC is. Um, this is a fun game. Oh, yes. <laughs> crushing is in the word. Always be cruising. I'm tempted. I'm not even going to Google it. I want somebody. Tanya has it. Always be crushing. Always be comforting. <laughs> oh, my God. Anti-ball crushing. Exactly. Are you serious? 
You were gonna give me fifty dollars to say that out loud. What if I yes, exactly? <laughs> well, I, I, it was that's what it stands for. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna scare our guests away. Yes, I do like I, I do like some of the other names that were that came up, that people came up with also there. Oh. Um, but um, yes, happy Friday, June sixteenth, uh, episode number one fifty nine of the Now Work Digital Meetup. Um, a big announcement next week. Uh, for next week, we are going to be replatforming the Now of Work Digital Meetup to a new version of Crowdcast. So, <laughs> wow, people are actually putting the link in the chat. Um, so your same login will work. It's going to look a little bit different. There's some new features in version two. So um, we'll have some fun playing with some of the new capabilities next week. But just wanted to uh, let you guys know that um, you'll get a new link um, as part of the email reminder for the event. There's my housekeeping. Mm -hmm. um, let's move on to is anyone new? Is anyone new here today? Do you recognize any new? Yeah, you see Tanya's in there like. Have you ever seen Tanya type, Jess? No. Just, I mean, Tanya, not everyone knows. Tanya um, is a friend of ours. And like ta when Tanya types, she types like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Like, she doesn't actually type. She's so a voice dictator. Clearly, just instead of, yeah, she probably, instead of saying spike, she probably just said a pike. <laughs> uh, and it turned into, now she's saying it's spike. But, um, yeah. So, um I don't see anyone new, which is good. So everyone knows the rules. We're going to start then with our green, yellow, red. Most important question you can ask. How are you? Green, great. Yellow, so-so. Red, eh, not a great day. Are you wearing red today? Yes, I am. For, for a reason? I'm not red. I'm green. My nails are still green. I'm overdue. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I love, red is my favorite color. So I wore my favorite color today. <laughs> Okay, green. Look at all the greens. Look at that. I love the greens. Nice, nice, nice. Exciting. Um, remember when we started this freaking thing with uh, COVID and yes. uh, lots of green? Turning green as Friday takes hold. Mandy, uh, following you on Facebook is like following uh, someone on vacation all the time. So <laughs> you should always be green, I think. I've noticed you've been in some very nice locations. Janet, yellow, we're going to make you green, Janet. Um, I met a Mercer colleague yesterday at my little event I ran off to where I also had technical difficulties. And he said, his name is Josh from Mercer. He said he's been watching us. Oh, sorry. Every time you have a technical difficulty, I'm just going to play that song. <laughs> I think there are aliens in my laptop. Uh, he, Josh, before we were even Mercer colleagues, he's been watching us since session one. Really? I couldn't. He, yeah. It's always weird when I meet people in public and they say they've been watching me for three years. Well, yeah. Did he walk up and give you a kiss like the woman in the Vegas airport to me? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> You, you still win the kissing game. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, 
But that's well, we have mostly... a testament to the community we've built. Our community preceded us. <laughs> yes, we have. I see we're only seven away from 3,300, which is exciting. We can too. find seven people while we're talking. Go out and find seven people, you guys, and have them. Next week. <laughs> Do you really want all to kiss you in airports? <laughs> uh, no, Bryce. Sorry. Um, so um, we have mostly greens, a few yellows. Uh, JC, good job at the gym. That's exciting to see. The gym's always a good way to start. I started like at 4.30 in the morning in the Indianapolis airport. So um, that was not a uh, not the not the gym morning. But uh, by the end of the day, we will get that in. Um, so how's your week been, Miss Jess Von Bank? Thank you for filling in for me at an event at the University of St. Thomas, yeah. my alma mater, where I was so excited to speak yesterday. And I then know. I got called out of town. So thank you for filling in for me. Yeah, of course. It was super fun. Uh, fun to do something local. I just drove over and chatted with the Minnesota Colleges and Universities Professional As uh, Association of HR Professionals. Uh, and so talking to like HR, you already know your heroes, like HR heroes. If you work in higher ed, you're like double hero. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, like talk about two things, education and HR that need to be massively disrupted. Uh, and I went into the room, I was all set up, I did my tech check, all good. Uh, and then I started talking to the room, you know, I didn't start on slides, they introduced me and I started chatting with the room for 10 minutes, I turned around, my laptop had gone, you know, everything had gone to sleep, and we couldn't wake it up again. So guess what we did? They were troubleshooting behind me. I said, just stop. Don't worry about it. We just had a conversation for an hour. I wish we did that more often. I mean, that's what we do on here. But these keynotes and like formal presentations we prepare, just talk about what you know and what you don't know and solve problems together. It was so much fun. It was such a blast. So thanks for being called out of town so I could go do that. <laughs> yeah. How's St. Thomas looking? Beautiful. It was Is a it? day yesterday. Yeah. Beautiful campus. Good. Awesome. Um, so is that the highlight of your week or do you have another highlight of your week? We always start with the highlight of the week section here. Yeah. My highlight of the week was uh, softball being canceled for poor air quality in Minneapolis. We have all these like all this wildfire smoke. It actually finally cleared out. Uh, and softball being canceled meant free time with my kids. I haven't actually had a whole lot of free time with my kids. And of course, we had it out on paddle boards as we do. Uh, and we had so much fun. I, I need more unstructured time in my life. And so that was a blessing in disguise. So yes, we went out in the wildfire smoke anyway on paddle boards, I guess. But it was such a blast. Okay. Now I have another question. Okay. A really serious Ooh. Question. Okay. You ready? I am, I think. <laughs> what is this? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, is it, are you a CIO? Like, <laughs> I, when I saw this, when I got this in the mailbox, <laughs> mailbox, I was like, CIO today? That's my <laughs> co-host. <laughs> Didn't you know, Jason? Um, cool, right? I guess. Yeah, talk about this. This is cool. Uh, they reached out a number of months ago about this series they were doing. They have done. What is it? 
topmost futuristic and iconic business women of the year. Wow. Uh, and they asked if they could feature me. <clears throat> so of course I said yes. <laughs> Uh, I said yes, because I think it's important to feature women who are shattering glass ceilings, especially in the field of tech uh, and IT and finance and other areas where um, there are a lot fewer women the higher you go. So I was pleased to take the um, opportunity to tell my story, but mostly a story about women who are achieving things in their uh, in their chosen field. And of course, they asked me about my inspiration. It's always the girls. So uh, the girls think they're famous now. Good. Well, congratulations. I was, uh, when I saw that, I was, uh, it was really cool to see. Well, thank you. Yeah. So that wasn't the highlight of your week. I thought that might No. <laughs> my mugshot. Uh, no, it was very, very cool. I, and thank you to everybody who reached out and uh, said such kind things, but um, no, paddleboarding with my kids beats that any day. You know what my highlight was? What? I'm not going to tell you. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, <laughs> I spoke to a national people analytics conference. This um, week? How have I lost track of you? <laughs> yes, this week. Uh, it was uh, through one of our customers. It was hosted at their site, International Paper. Uh, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and um, it was all about the amazing world of data. Like I finally got to say data is sexy to mm -hmm. people that actually agreed with me agreed. that yeah. data is sexy. Um, but it was a really fascinating discussion about digital, about data, um, and now seeing where generative AI is going, large language models, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a deep dive into generative AI and how generative AI is now a digital uh, part of it's, it should be part of every HR digital strategy. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a great, great conversation, which leads us to our guest mm -hmm. today too. You know, I was so, so excited to see um, a Vizier announcement earlier this week. And, you know, before we bring on our guest, um, I have to share a story. So when I was at Ceridian Corporation back in the 1930s, uh, <laughs> sorry, not quite that long ago. I'm glad someone still laughs at my lack of humor. But uh, back in the 1990s, um, there was a tool called Cognos. And it was always a dream of mine. In fact, I developed a partnership with Cognos while I was with Ceridian to build people analytics, HR analytics, in a way that made the data consumable. Mm. Always, It's always been a dream because all of these systems have always been, um, like they've always had great data. So I, one of my best friends in life, um, and I decided we were going to start a company back at that, back in the day. And like, I think I'm, I'm beyond the point of uh, someone holding it against me at this point. Um, but the name of the company was going to be called Metrio. Metrio. And Metrio was going to be a company that, and that's Greek, by the way. My friend is Greek. And it was all about measuring. It was all about measuring and being able to measure. 
His name was Stavros Liakakos, by the way. Some of you maybe have met him before in the past, but used to be in the HR tech space. So like I've been fool, And then at PeopleSoft, I got put in charge of this project or product called EPM. Okay, you didn't know what ABC was. Do you know what EPM no. is? Employee people, no, people management. Employee people metrics, no. <laughs> Okay. At this point, you owe me 50 bucks. Enterprise. I know. Enterprise. Enterprise performance management. Okay. And we were using a tool called Informatica. Yeah. And part of the Informatica tool was something called, had an ETL. Do you God, know what ETL? Why do we love acronyms so much? <laughs> you know what ETL is, Jess? ETL. Talent. ETL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, extract, <laughs> extract, transform, load. Oh, my God. Look at, uh, I, of course, Bryce and Bob know this. Yeah, I don't even know, like, if people know that I actually am technology savvy at times. Um, so we built this tool in Informatica that basically we're going to, that was going to solve the world's problems with data analytics. Cost about a million dollars to implement. You started from scratch. It got you nothing. No one actually, uh, I hide it well. <laughs> Thanks, Bryce. Um, and uh, and basically no one uh, ever used it to a, to the way that we did. That was like a great solution. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. Um, just like your ability to log into your laptop. <laughs> so we, um, this whole world has always been interesting to me. So generative AI, November comes along. Generative AI has been being worked on for a long, long time. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden this week we saw a Vizier announcement, you know, and the Vizier announcement was, Hey, we're going to put generative AI on top of people's data mm. and be able to get an answer to a question without building a Cognos cube, without doing ETL, extract, transform, and load. I love how my acronyms are pulling a bunch of people out of the closet here. They feel like, so seen right now. Yeah, people that don't usually talk on here are now talking. Um, yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that they're bringing it out. So um, we wanted to bring on Vizier this week because because of their announcement. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull on our guest. But, um, you know, I know it's something just that you've been focused on, maybe not as broad as the enterprise level, but within the talent acquisition space, hmm. like it's something we've been talking about for a long time, which is just measuring the impact. And by the way, we had a brilliant briefing, speaking of impact, with iSIMS earlier this week and some of the things that they're working on. And we talked all about impact and analytics and impact. Actually, I had a great gr briefing with Beamery also this week where we talked about those things. Mm -hmm. So like we've been dealing with analytics and measures for a long, long time, but I think we're finally getting there. Hey, Adam. Hey, Jason, how are you? Good to see yes. you. Good to see you guys too. You're in the fray. Do yes. And look, he's dressed better than we are. <laughs> I know. We, we my, my office air conditioning is too strong. I'm freezing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but really quickly, Jess. So, like you've been trying to measure recruiting analytics and recruiting impact for a long time, right? Totally. Yeah. But no one's ever gotten it down. 
No, because we measure the wrong stuff and we talk about AI like it's something new. And by the way, most of the time it's not artificial, it's business intelligence. You're just figuring out how to make consumable to your earlier point, Jason. So it's like, we don't even have, we haven't even had the right language to talk about what we're trying to do and achieve. Uh, but now I think we're we're catching up a little bit. Um, well, and we haven't been able to really run the report. I mean, it, back in the PeopleSoft days, I used to give people a book of 350 standard reports. And these were all SQRs that we that people could run, you know, but they couldn't customize, they couldn't change them. You know, so basically I had to know, unless they actually knew a language. So I had to know a special language to do this now too. And one of the things I saw with Vizier was, wow, maybe I could speak my native tongue mm -hmm. and actually get an answer to a question. And I was like, OSM, another acronym. So everyone know what that is? <laughs> Jess, you know what that one is because I say it all the time. Oh, okay. shit moment. I was like, maybe we have a breakthrough here where we've actually are now going to be able to speak our native tongue and be able to you know, get information out of these tools. So I'd love to, in, Adam, to have you introduce yourself, um, your role at Vizier, and then we'll jump into some of your exciting announcements this week. So yeah, so um, I'm Adam Binney. I'm the Chief Product Officer at Vizier. So I'm responsible for our product roadmap. Hopefully most people on here know what Vizier is. We're the market leader in people analytics. We've been collecting all that wonderful data that Jason was just talking about across all those systems and bringing it together in a way that makes sense and uh, and then delivering it back to people so they can actually make those decisions. And uh, yeah, so that's my job is to work out how do we do that better, continue to do that better going forward um, so that we can collect all that data, we can let people analyze it and ultimately use it to act in some way better than they were before. So that's, that's our, you know, our, our purpose and our mission is to help people understand, you know, how they how they understand their people and understand how their people can impact the business. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of our, our mantra is always, how do we make that better? Um, that's kind of my, my role. So Adam, before we start, like Jess, just so you know, like I am totally geeked out by this. I know. You have been all week. So, yeah. So my goal is to make sure I don't take the whole time and give you the opportunity to ask some questions as well. Um, but I'm like dying. Yes, go for it. So um, sorry, Adam, to get so excited about data analytics. But uh, <laughs> the, you know, we, we've been, you heard Adam, probably my preface that I've been, we've been doing data analytics for a long time. You know, we've been collecting HR data for a long time. And back in my control data slash Ceridian days, I used to write list, emp, name, DEPT, SAL to, to run a report. And I basically ran a report using this thing called TCL. Jess, TCL? Yeah, you've lost me. <laughs> the command line. The command line. The TCL, command. where I was just able to type something in and get an answer. Then reporting got harder like drag and drop was supposed to make it easier. I had to do table joins and all of this other stuff. Then Vizier's out and Vizier is a world leader. Yet I talked to a customer to the, earlier this week who had Vizier. They're like, yeah, our managers struggle with it because what we give them in dashboards, I really don't know how to do anything with. So like this whole area of measurement of people, like people know more about their laptops and their companies than they do about their people, at least the, the way they can express it. But I think we're finally at a point where 
maybe, and I'd love for you to talk a little about your product announcement with V, V-E-E this week, that we're going to be able to speak kind of natural language and start to get natural answers. Yeah, I mean, I think your point that you just made there, Jason, right? I mean, there's a lot of people for whom analytics today is a little inaccessible in the fact that you, you kind of have to really get how those numbers work and also start to connect. Well, what does it mean if that number's high or low? And what can I do that has an impact on it? And so one of the very first challenges, and I think it's, as you said, like once upon a time we had the command line and we could type something. And if we knew how to put the words in the right order, we would get some output. Um, it's very trained behavior that, that you know, you can learn um, if, if you're motivated enough and you're willing to spend that much time. I think there's an enormous raft of people that, that use analytics occasionally. And then as a result, they're obviously, you know, each time they come in, they have to go through that same process. Oh, okay, well, how do I ask the question? Oh, wait a minute, I didn't ask it exactly right. Something didn't happen. So when we look at generative AI, generative AI is, obviously we're all seeing lots of examples of it. We're playing around with it. And, and there's more than one question around the impact it's gonna have on the people function. Yes, on the technology level, we can leverage it to make existing experiences like how do I get insight to understand what I could change? How do I make that easier, just simpler, more accessible to more people? And, and that's kind of what V is about, and I'll, I'll talk more about that. There's also a fundamental question, what is this going to do to the workforce distribution and mix? Because there are a lot of tasks and areas across the entire business that are going to be disrupted, affected. Um, you know, we're going to see a lot of shifts happening, and I think generative AI has a lot of impact on that. But the big, the big challenge, of course, is I know I have a question in my head. How do I express that question in a way that the computer can interpret? And, and this is where generative AI is very clever because it says you can ask anything and it's going to try and predict how to ask that of the, of the formal, whatever the formal system is. And so let's say you're looking at, say, chat GPT today and you've got your personal account and you can ask it a question about something. And it's basically asking a question of the Internet. And it's, it's basically saying, OK, I can think you meant this question. I can go and get the response. So that's, that's part one. It, it knows how to take your question, translate it into something a computer can actually run. In our case, of course, V takes your question and says, oh, okay, I, I know how Vizio wants the question structure, so it can predict what you meant to be asking, and then it can let you have this wonderful conversation where you refine that until it, and, and it responds, and you can react to it, right? So you've got this really nice speed of thought experience, right, which is very easy. But there's a second part to generative AI, which says, okay, now I've got the results back. How, how do you want me to present them to you so that you can consume them? So that's the other half of the conversation that people sometimes underestimate. And ChatGPT does this amazing. It'll take whatever it gets back and say, oh, I want that in bullet form or I want that in a long form. Or in my case, as I recently asked it, tell me the five best things about Vizier. I asked it to do it in Shakespearean sonnet form, which I then couldn't really understand. But that was cool. Um, but, you know, the ability to transform it both on the way in and the, on the way out to, to the form that somebody can consume, that's what's really critical about what's happening with generative AI. Now, in the middle, there's, a, there's some special source in the middle that makes it all work. But the really clever part is, like you said, Jason, you can ask the question how you think in your language. But also, you can get it back. If I want the answer to the question, you know, how long has somebody worked here? Just tell me the answer. I don't, I don't need a five mm -hmm. dashboards to explain that. I, I just need the answer. But if I also need something that says, okay, but what does that mean? How, how, what does that look like in context? You've told me this, but now only in this tiny localized, okay, this person's been here six years, 
but is that normal for this role? Is that unusual? Is this, are they an outlier? Are they an inlier? Like all of that opportunity for the generative AI to take the results that are available and bring them back in a way that I can consume. So that's basically what V is doing for us. And of course, when you're out on the internet, we all have access to the internet. There's no security, there's no boundary. There's some issues with whether it's true, right? Um, you know, we always see this story around chat GPT, right? It can hallucinate because the content material is a little bit true and false at the same time. Um, in the corporate world, obviously, we, we, we have to avoid that. And we also have to make sure that we're not bleeding information that needs to be kept secure. So part of that whole V story for us is part of what we get to do with, with an environment like Vizier, of course, is we've got those security controls and we have that performance. And so we can connect now that experience so that we can take the ability to, to answer the question, so safely and securely answer the question, answer that question at the speed of thought and bring it to somebody who isn't perhaps very comfortable with charts, isn't perhaps very comfortable uh, with how to answer our structured questions, doesn't necessarily know the word tenure. I, I know how long someone's worked here, but I didn't know that they called that tenure, right? Like we, we presume all this Thank God. linguistic that people don't have. And so when you, when you talk to a customer and they say, well, we're trying to get out to this manager audience or even employee audience. When you get out to that layer of the organization, this, this internal language, even in functions of the business is lost and you have to get back to really, really generalized way for them to explain their question better until they get the answer that helps them make a decision. So I have a question about that. If we don't have the language, the business language to know how to structure the question and the way that we need the answer, do we have discernibility to know the validity of the answer we got? How do, this is the whole thing with chat GPT. Everybody's first, I love watching a person's first reaction when they see it for the very first time. It's usually a holy shit kind of expression because it's so fast and it's so good on the surface, like, wow, tell me about the history of the civil war. And it gives me like, holy, you know, and it feels so good. We don't question. And so in a business context, if the answer comes back that fast, I didn't even know to use the word tenure and you give me an answer back that fast. I just take the answer and run with it. Where do we build in the discernibility, the discernment of the information we're being presented with, or do we trust that if the foundational data is solid, and obviously you've built a tool that's that good to query it, um, that that it should be trustworthy. That's the question I think people are 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 going to ask and are already asking about generative AI when it comes to making decisions that have to do with people. So it's interesting. I I, I take a really simple parallel to this, right? I think I think if you if you ask a human where do you go to answer a question when you have a question and actually you know our first instinct is ask another person yeah that is literally the first go-to right and so one of the reasons that you see you know to some level we're personifying that generative ai is it's kind of like this advisor it's this personification that you can ask that question of but the but the conversation isn't going to be that different and the challenges aren't going to be that different yeah. if i ask a colleague something and they give me a response is it true? Is it, is, does it have the supporting material? And what would I do if I don't understand their, their answer? I'm, I'm going to ask them additional questions to qualify it, maybe learn a little bit, 
maybe go and do some research. And I think that V provides exactly that same parallel experience, but obviously one that doesn't require me to use up somebody else's time or, and, and to a certain extent, probably more likely to be reliable, but it is part of what we're doing with V, of course, is to provide all that supporting knowledge. What do you mean by headcount? Who's included? What do you mean by tenure? When does it start? Um, so all of that's there. I think, I think there will definitely be a human's factors, human behavioral aspect around do people real, you know, do people ask that next question? Do they qualify? Do they work out how to qualify? Do they, or do they, as you say, just take it and run with it? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's not different to slacking somebody in the company going, hey, is the company office open on Friday? No, okay, I'm not going to show up, and then finding out they right. True. we're in a different country, right? Yeah. Um, so I think we have that same dynamic, and I think it's a human dynamic that we we, we have to work around to that. Be, be curious and, and, and ask the next question. But again, if the, if the ability to ask that question, to ask for the explanation for having this tell me more, and again, in a very safe environment, because I'm not exposing my mm -hmm. lack of knowledge to anybody when I'm asking a system that question. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think perhaps we're in a good place to be able to enable those people to feel like they're able to do, to ask those questions and qualify. But I do think we'll still have the, oh, it said, you know, um, there's a there's a British TV show that's wildly inappropriate where you know the computer said no, and you know that kind of moment right where you know I just take its word for it right yeah but the reality is we would we would always have we need to have that same sense of you know what do I understand what does it mean and how do I get more information and as long as as the the assistants the V can also provide that that knowledge I think I think we're in the sort of the best place we can get to and then and then lead people to be able to teach themselves to educate, to learn how to use and, uh, and utilize mm -hmm. that. That's kind of where I, I think the parallel is pretty consistent yeah. with, with the, the human way of doing this to the, to the digital assistant way of doing this as well. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of comments in the chat that I want to make sure I get to, Adam. Uh, one is from Christine that says, is the conversation logic standard or does the implementation allow certain logic to be aligned to nuances of company data sets, policies, et cetera? Um, in the case of V, what, what we're, we're, we're really being very conscious of is, and it's, this is a very fundamental challenge, right? We don't really want to train the AI model on an organization's information. There's a very big privacy protection of data concern there, because obviously as you train these models, um, you can expose content essentially after you've trained it. We've seen a lot of, a lot of conversations going on at the moment around um, some of the challenges around IP protection in images and, and stuff. So in that sense, when you're looking at that local knowledge um, is a little bit more challenging. On the flip side, um, the way these things work, the way the V works, for example, is you want to ask it a question and using the entire large language model, it's going to know how to tell Vizier what you're asking in context. What comes back essentially is your knowledge and data. And then, then we are able to reformat that to explain to users. So it is going to know your departmental names and your organizational structures and stuff like that. But you know, and it is going to have that ability to answer the questions using your own language, but it's not, we, we, we would, we, in this particular case, are trying to avoid using that insight to train the model. Now there's a layer above that in Vizier. We have this very, very rich metadata layer, which essentially describes the data that's in Vizier for everybody or 40,000 customers that use Vizier have this metadata layer that describes the data that we can use to train the model so that we have this huge language layer that knows the shape of all the information. And that is what then lets us, let's, let's, however you want to ask the question, connect to that information and then present it back in a way that's in, intuitive and meaningful to the, to the person in their context, if that makes sense. So I hope that answered 
Uh, yeah. Question. Um, there's some really interesting discussion. There's uh, there's some there's discussion. There's some things here I agree with that people are saying. There's something. Did he just freeze for you too? He he did he did yes. Oh, he's unfreezing. You're buffering, Jason. <gasps> I'm not the only one with a gremlin in my laptop. <laughs> I know. He and uh, maybe maybe all the gremlins were at Jason's end. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm curious as to whether this will better align definitions and industry standards because it's wild how differently different organizations define things that should be standard. That was the that I actually had a little problem with that question because I don't necessarily agree that everyone should define things the same way. Um, but I'd love your thoughts on that. You know, it, it's it's interesting as we live in a global world today, um, how much uh, standardization we'll see across the the natural variety that we might and probably should expect globally. Um, I think I think the the nature of software, global software, the fact that these large language models allow language translation to be instantaneous and, and actually pretty effective. I actually think you're probably right, Jason. I think it will drive standardization. I think we're going to see people moving more and more towards that. And there are a lot of people who would see that as a as a as a plus, right? That that we consistently use the same way of thinking about things globally. And 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 the people's the people organizations are amazingly very similar across industry and across the globe in a lot of ways. Um, is it is it a good thing or a bad thing? I I don't know if I really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I do think it will create more standardization simply because people want to have conversations with systems and they kind of want to know what what the what they're understanding in our world we allow that rich metadata to be localized and localized in terms of meaning but we do drive to if there's a metric it should be consistently resolved on data the same way everywhere you can have two variants of it and may use different ones in different places but you kind of need to qualify that so i do think it's a, it's a it's a great it's a great debate I, I think it's going to be one of those things where we'll watch and see does on a macro level, do these large language models, you know, feed us into more of a consolidated single view, or do they actually open us up to, for the diversity and 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 creativity that I guess we would all hope that they would enable? Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's probably going to be more of a everyone going the same way because the large language models are going to predict the most likely way to say something, and as a result, we all are going to fall back to less Shakespearean vocabulary and more modern, you know, graduate vocabulary, which is very narrow and we all use the same words for everything. Right. So that's so Adam, I have a question. I have a question. Um, so PeopleSoft, we built analytics within PeopleSoft as a separate database, as you heard me talk about Informatica and ETL, you know, Oracle success factors workday have analytics. All of these individual products have analytics. Like, where does Vizier fit? Because um, I've always seen Vizier as like a, you have to have it. Like, uh, like, otherwise you're looking at things in the stovepipe and you're not looking at complete data sets yet. And I know you have a lot of customers, but like, where do you see this all going? And I kind of asked that question because we kind of jumped right into large language models and generative AI, you know, and there's customers on this call that can't count how many people they have still, you know, or there's people on this call, like you introduced a new compensation tool this mm -hmm. week also that can't do pay equity. 
in a way that they should. So like, we're, like just, you know, at a high level, where do you see this world of people analytics now, you know, and you know, what the, what the core vendors offer versus what Vizier offers? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a, the, the challenge with, with, when you look at analytics, you, you, you go from one end of the spectrum, which is in a very fixed print report type world, right? And people saw the, the technology that produced all of the visualization and, and, and pre presentation of Insight was, was a company I worked for, Crystal. We, we were embedded in PeopleSoft as the technology that did that. Holy cow, Crystal. Yeah. I forgot Crystal there reports. Um, I spent 30 years in the industry, right? We've been on the same journey for a long time. That There's, there's degrees and, and challenges. I think, I think we look at what Vizzy is trying to do, right? We're, we're trying to collect all the information that you have around your people. And, and when we say all the information, this is where you, you look at some very simple statistics. No one has one system. They might say they have one system, but no one has one system. They have, on average, 10, and we have people with 90, right? And so they, the first challenge you've got to do, and you talked about ETL and the data management challenge and the data pipelining challenge, how do we collect all that information in one place? And that's what Vizzy is trying to do. And it's saying, you know what? You could go and hand build this data warehouse. You could go and hire a lot of people for a long time to build out this thing. But we have already built that. So you can just load it from all these different systems. And then, of course, like anything, as you add another system, you get this network effect on what you can understand. If you only loaded information from, say, your employee profiles, and, and a lot of the tools you described there, Oracle Workday, PeopleSoft, would tell you, this is how many people are here today. The next thing is, okay, but how many people were here yesterday? Well, a lot of those systems won't tell you that. They, they have to take the data out and put it somewhere to do that. So again, Busy is going to tell you what, what, how many people did you have yesterday. But every time you add another one of those systems, you're adding another bit of color to that palette of understanding how, how is succession affecting these people? How is movement affecting these people? How is compensation affecting these people, which might be from a payroll system and so on. So what Vizier does is say, start here and then go on this journey where you're adding to this, collecting all this data. And then the analysis starts to go from, I can answer a very simple question to I can start to answer more and more and more questions. And the journey, I'm sure you went through this, Jason, the journey is, you know, I give somebody an analytic, an insight, a piece of information, a dashboard, a report today, and tomorrow they need a different one. Yeah. The durability of any piece of insight is quite small because I used it. I found out something. I did something different. Okay. That problem is now solved. I got a different problem. And so this is the beauty of Vizier, right? We're really about unlocking all of this potential and taking each user, each employee, each manager, each senior manager, executives, HR business partner on their own journey into that information and the, into the decisions they can make. So that's, that's how we differentiate, right? We're going to collect data from all these different systems. We're going to put it together into a really organized way. We're going to let people provide that content in a very fixed way. Here's things you should know. Here's the questions you should ask, but also allow them to explore. What question do you have now? What question did you not know you, what, what question has suddenly occurred because you've got an answer to a previous question? And that's really where V is obviously super powerful because it's going to let you have that conversation as an individual in your time and at your pace to discover this insight. But of course, on, on the system side, you know, we're trying to be systematic. We're trying to bring all the information and make the connections between each of those different pieces of information across time. And so you said silo when you talk about a lot of the, the sort of vendor solutions. They're, they're there, but they are inherently limited to the silo. And, and obviously the advantage of something like Vizier is you're out of the silo and you're starting to think holistically about 
How is all this people strategy? How is all this data affecting your people strategy? And that's where we get into sort of the, the last big value prop we're thinking is, how do we bring in the business data so that we can say, well, does this people strategy have consequence to the business? Not just internally to, to the people function and the people strategy, but to the business itself. And how are we going to act inside that people strategy to resolve and impact the business strategy? Whether that's better planning for where we're going to hire, better planning for who we're going to hire, better planning for how we're going to develop people, better uh, engagement with our managers to make better decisions about their people. But all of those things are in service of you know, more successful businesses, more revenue, better patient outcomes, whatever it is that drives yeah. the agenda for the organization. So that's very much the sort of foundation of what Vizier is about, right? Like how, how do we bring all of this information together? And by being not thinking about it in a silo, not thinking about it for a persona who uses those tools, but for everybody, I think we, we create that transformation, that big step function from, I can get some reports that an administrator can use who's entering data to I can actually facilitate a conversation and, and you talk about smart compensation which is a, a new solution we're delivering just think about that one narrow piece right I mean and, and the total rewards function in, in people is incredibly complicated feel I say narrow but only in the sense it's it's somewhat targeted there's a huge phase up front an analytical phase where an organization in total rewards is trying to decide what is their pay strategy what is their philosophy for pay Mm -hmm. How does that vary across the whole enterprise and, and documenting that and coming up with a really understanding of that. And then there's a phase, how do I execute that in terms of yep. reward and, and merit and hiring practices and everything else? And then finally, how do I evaluate whether those things happened in the way I wanted them to happen? Pay equity, fairness, um, you know, and actually retention of the right people, compensation for performance, all those things. So. That's kind of a microcosm of, of that decision flow across lots of areas. You could say the same for org design. What is my philosophy for org? What do I want for spans and layers? How many managers do I want not have? Where do I want people? And so each one of those has that same, and, and busier is facilitating that. Maybe a, a too long an answer to your question. No, no, it's not. And I'm trying, I want to get my next question before just throw <laughs> You can, okay, you go. Just quick. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is not a quick answer, I don't think, but. Adam, this will be a challenge to make it as quick as you possibly can. Okay, so um, you're probably a generative AI uh, large language model wizard. I'm not. I'm taking an MIT online course right now on it because I'm trying to learn. Uh, but one of the things that I'm curious about is how do you take, oh, now Jessica just asked a question that's probably better than mine, but how do you take the database that that's been Vizier for a long time, right? And I assume it wasn't a large language model, right? And all of a sudden say, oh, now we're V and put a generative AI layer on top of it. And then all of a sudden have it be a large language model. Like, can you answer that question in 50 words or less? Like, did you did you completely replatform, or have you always been a large language model? Is there some smoke and mirrors somewhere? Because there's been a bunch of stuff that I've been reading from like a friend, Josh Burson, who says, hey, if a system wasn't built as a large language model AI tool to begin with, it's going to have a really hard time becoming an AI tool. Oh, I see. Christine said, great question. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm going to try and answer it in 50 questions or less. I, so large language models perform these two functions that I mentioned before, right? They take a question 
and they can translate that question into something, a query against some repository. And then they can, and, and they do that, right, by guessing the right question to ask at the other end. So they take the question at this end and they translate it into the question at that end, best guess. Then they get a result set back from that. And then they take that, co that content and they process that to say, what is the best guess from this content of how to re respond? And so they're basically very, very aggressively predicting what the response yep. would have been from the question. Now, in our case with V, what we're doing is we're saying that layer, we're going to use the generative AI large language models that exist in the industry already. There's, uh, you know, commercially available ones, there's, yep. there's um, open source ones, and they're evolving at a pace that is really terrifying right now. But, yep. but you know, we're talking about millions of dollars of training time off of huge internet corpuses of data to understand language. That's why they call it a lot of language models. So they take language and they translate into another language. Now, that language could be SQL. That language could be Vizier query language. It, the language is translating. It could be English to Spanish. It could be English to SQL. Okay. And so in this case, it's English to Vizier, right? If okay. Then Vizier is still doing what it always did, which is work out what the answer to that question is securely and privately, constructing that answer with as much context, which we have a lot of, because we have a lot of metadata, static metadata, stuff we've described about what that means, and lot, you know, all the different ways to say this, all the different questions you might ask, can bring that, that set back. And then the large language model again takes that response and translates it back oh. into the user. So if you think about it, the, the large language model is there, but it isn't the, it isn't the database. It's, it's, it's connecting to the database and then it's translating the responses. So we get to leverage all the power of that translation engine that knows how to translate the question into the right form and how to present it back. A great example of using a large language model, I'm a terrible, I write terrible English. I used to say I write Adam and somebody has to translate it. Well, now I have ChatGPT translate it because it, it may not, if I tell it the content, it's going to get the right answer, but it's also going to write it with perfect grammar. And you know, my grammar, I mean, I, I was, I probably failed English at every level of schooling, right? In terms of my grammar. But, you know, perfect grammar it's going to have because it knows exactly how to do the grammar. So as long as I give it accurate content, it's going to definitely deliver accurate output. When we ask it to use the Internet as our database, yeah, sometimes you get a little bit of a different situation. And if you train the model on your data, if you gave it all your private data, then at that point you would have to build the large language model. And, and we're looking at that as well. But that becomes more of a how do I keep that safe? Because now I've got a lot of you know private information. So the, to the question Christine was asking about privacy, we have to be very careful that we don't put private information into this. Because if I asked um, ChatGDP, how much does Jason over it make? And it gave a guess, right? It may be a guess. It may be completely a guess. But if it was trained on your salary information, it's probably a pretty good guess. Yep. And so that is what we can't allow it to do, right? So we have to be very conscious of this separation between how is the facts secured and made safe? And how do we use language to create this wonderful experience that lets me talk the way I talk, write the way I write, and understand the response that's coming back. So it's it's definitely a, a and, and not an all kind of situation. So we're leveraging the LLM, uh, and that was way more than fifty words. You're right. I'm no, confused. no, that that was a great answer. Thank you. That's a great answer. Okay, I have a question. Jason loves to say data is sexy. I would say data could be sexy but it's always had two problems. It's vast and prolific and time is our enemy. By the time we collect the dots and connect the dots, it's all out of date. We can't do anything useful with it. This solves 
those two things. It collects and connects at like hyper speed. So, and, and Bob kind of asked this earlier in the chat, does V know what it doesn't yet know? I guess my question is, I think we've been scratching at the surface so far in terms of the power of people data. And Jason used the example, we're still trying to get accurate headcount at any given moment in time. So can we now solve bigger problems than we used to solve before in a more predictive way or just in a bigger way? Can we, can a tool like this give us answers to questions we don't even know to ask yet by either doing things better and faster, but even almost sort of like reading ahead of the question. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think, I think there's, there's, there's two answers to this question. I think the first, the first value, of course, is that there, there are people who really get numbers. There are people who really get charting. There are people who really get analysis. That it's what they do. Maybe it's their job. Um, there are people who are doing a job and they need numbers to do that job. And so really what V for us a lot about is the second crowd, right? How do we just facilitate that in that moment, right? That moment when I needed it, not, oh, I have to go ask somebody to do this report for me and I'll come back in a month by which someone I've forgotten why I asked, right? That kind of in the moment. So I think that's really important. I think that's really important for democratizing data, working at how to take that data into little pieces that can have real impact um, Ian Cook, who I know you guys know from, from Vizier, um, you know, talks a lot about the people impact gap being this challenge, which is because we're not getting this out to the edge of the organization, mm. the impact is limited to, you know, yes, big strategically, we've decided to transform our diversity, but you know, if that doesn't reach the person doing the interviewing, it's, it's not going to have the consequence that we would desire. So that's a lot of what this is going to do for us on the second side of this. I think it opens the door as we get that democratization to start to understand, you know, information and consequence. What, when I did something, what did that happen? And what we do in Vizio a lot is we talk a lot about, we can tell you what's happened. We can tell you what's happening, which is that, what was our headcount and how has it changed? What is our headcount right this moment? The second part of the conversation now is, well, what's gonna happen if I don't do anything? What's gonna happen if I do do anything? And ultimately, what do I want to happen? And so we talk about, you know, what if modeling, so, you know, I'm here, what if I did this? Or just projection, what will happen to my headcount if I don't do anything? Well, I'm gonna lose two people, I'm not gonna, you know, my hiring's gonna take forever, I'm gonna be, you know, whatever. That kind of projection to what if, like, well, if I invest in this huge engagement program, do I expect retention? What would be the expected retention? And then lastly for us is the, what do you want to happen? And I think facilitating all of those conversations, not just at the executive level, but all the way down the organization, I think is critical for making data more impactful and mm -hmm. creating that. So that would that will lead people to answer that next question. And part of answering the next question is, of course, you have to answer the first question so they can understand the context to ask the next question. And so I think I think these, these capabilities, the idea of people analytics is something that's delivered to everybody in the organization. Both are steps along the journey to being able to do exactly what you described, which is to have that impact and have the system start to lead me to where a better outcome is. If I know that if I do, if I went left or I went right, if left takes me two minutes to get somewhere and right takes me 10 minutes, everyone uses Google Maps, it tells you take this route is five minutes and that is 15. That is decision-making and the system has looked ahead and thought yes. about where I'm trying to go. Now, what we're trying to do that is with, with people data, which of course is nothing like as beautiful and organized as, as traffic data, but mm -hmm. it's ultimately the same thing as a manager, 
if I give this person an X percent pay rise or I don't give them a pay rise, what is the consequence? Yes. And what and what do I want to happen or what what which matters more to me? What trade off am I trying to make? That's that's the panacea we're, we're grasping for. And we're doing that while we're in and I, I really need a better metaphor for this. We're in this constant um, arms race with the amount of data, the complexity of data, the variety of data, the you know, and trying to manage all that and connect it all together. So there's constantly, every time you turn around, right, they're like, oh, now we've got Internet of Things data with everyone's health meters coming off of their, you know, watches. Okay, wow. Okay, there's a whole nother set of, now we've got card swipe data coming in for who's back in the office or who's remote. Now we've got, um, you know, transcribed uh, video conference calls that tells you who participated, how much, in which meeting. Every yeah. An arms race, right? Every time you turn around, and think, "Oh, we've got data under control." Boom, more data from another source that we now have to add. And 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 the people function HR have been fantastic at adding and adding and adding more systems and more data because they know this matters, uh, and it and it really does matter. I hope that answered your question, Jess. I'm not. It did. We made Steve's head hurt, so we know we yeah. had a good conversation. <laughs> Adam, thank you for uh, thank you for being here. This is yeah. way too fast. Um, we need to do this again. Uh, there's a bunch of other questions in oh. the chat, and uh, yeah. I hope you'll come back again. I hope we didn't drive you crazy. Um, I hope you'll come back again and to the audience. I, I would love to. And in fact, I, I, some of the questions on the, the chat there, right, measuring things like empathy, yeah. understanding human behavior, I think, remains very open questions. And I think a lot of people are looking at that science. One, one of, the, one of, the, one of the, the missions I worry about and in that same gender, right, is what is fairness and how do we measure it? Mm. What is fair? You know, and, and that's a, that's a, you're back into ethics and Justin, and I yeah. think that, you know, a lot of this technology, we are still, you know, like I said, measuring headcount remains a challenge for people. So we're on this journey from, from that to understanding what is a great and fair environment that we can measurably say we've achieved or improved. And I think that's the journey Vizia really wants to drive. And I don't so, know if you see Elisa's comment. She said, good to see your friendly face, Adam, cheering you and the team on from here. Oh, that's great. Thank you all. I'd love Adam, to are you, Adam, are you a father? I am. I have two daughters. Well, I hope you're going to spend some time at home. Happy Father's Day. My daughter's, my, my, my youngest just graduated high school and is off to college. So I am, oh. I'm very close to the, they were both out at this point. Yes. Well, I am spending the weekend at home with my son who just graduated from high school. There you go. Uh, um, so, we have uh, a week in wine country with my youngest daughter coming up, which is going to be fun because I just wish she would drive. Exactly. <laughs> you could drive us around. To the wine <laughs> yes. wine, but no, like, we have to, yeah. But yeah. Well, Adam, thank you for being here. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Happy Father's Day, everybody.